Shade at Black Girls Texting. I know y'all see my text. You better answer me back. I'm Chels Pinky, also known as the washing machine queen. I'm classically trained. Me, 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 me. It's Glenn at That's My Brat. Wow, you did us. Goodbye. Welcome, welcome to Black Girls Texting. Tea is steadily spilled in our group chat, and each week we let you in on it. I'm Charles Pinky, also known as the Washing Machine Queen. I'm Glenn at Bedstyle Brat, and we have a special guest with us today, Shan Boudram, who is a sexologist, YouTube personality, and intimacy expert. She has appeared on The View, MTV, E, The Rachel Ray Show, Steve Harvey Show. I mean, it goes on and on. Has been featured in the New York Times. Forbes and Time Magazine, and she's also the author of The Game of Desire, which just came out. Thank you for joining us, Shan. Thank you. That was a nice and tight um, bio read. So thank you for that. Sometimes we're like in grade three. I'm like, no, we don't (laughs) need to read that one. (laughs) I got you, girl. Also, um, as an aside, my co-hosts know I'm a huge stan. Like your videos have gotten me through some times. Like. I've just appreciated watching your whole journey and how raw and honest you've been throughout it. Thank you. That means honestly to the absolute world, there's nothing cooler, I think, than going through this journey together, uh, growing up as sisters together. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that internet, I experience this all the time, where I live, do you guys know who Lovely T is? Mm, she's a, a youtuber um <laughs> but you know she does like gossip stuff but i like her stuff so mm-hmm. i saw her out and i was like hey girl how are you blah, blah, blah. and she gave me this really strange look and i like hugged her and then i walked away i'm like why was she being so cold and i was like oh, right i don't know her she <laughs> like i don't actually know her <laughs> i don't know her she's just a person on the internet who i have gotten to know and i feel like i know but i actually don't so i completely like just embrace and i love that feeling and i think it's such a gift that we live in a time where we can connect so deeply to other people who we've never had a chance to actually talk to and meet in person. But this is the next best thing, so I'm happy to be here. A hundred percent. Does it ever get old, though, for you, like, growing into this, you know, public figure and, you know, your fans all over? I wouldn't say old is the right term. I would say that because my topic is so intimate, it's never brief. Yeah, I would say that like when people do approach me, it's never, you know, when you see like an actor, like a very famous actor, you're like, oh my God, can I get a picture with you? Then you kind of run out of conversation. Like, I don't, I don't know what else to say to you. But people with me, they're like, when I was five years old, and I'm like, damn it, I just need a napkin. So sometimes <laughs> it's not that, I never get tired of it, but I think that just by nature of what I do, they're always very complex conversations which you know it's gotten i've had to learn how to hold space for those respectfully while also being respectful of my own time and boundaries but i'm going to caveat that by saying this happens to me 10 percent of the time that i go out so it's not like an ongoing issue right but you're like giving people therapy sessions yeah yeah but i try yeah. just to listen i think if anything i don't mm-hmm. i don't think people i don't i actually don't think people want my advice when they're out mm-hmm. i think it's because of what you just said glenn like people um have heard so much of my story so when they meet me they want to share their story so Mm, most of the time it's they they just want to talk at me for five minutes um which is fine (laughs) (laughs) that makes total sense um we have this game called on red or apply because we're black girls texting so when you get a text message and you leave it on red it's like a text message that you're not here for why would they send you that or if you get a text message and you reply, it's something that you can get on board with. 
um, you like, et cetera, et cetera. Does that make sense? Explain that one more time. <laughs> okay. On red or reply. If something's on red, you hate it. If something you would reply to, you love it. Okay. Yes, I understood. <laughs> I know the first time it was I was not very brief. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so the first topic is sex toys. Oh, that's definitely reply. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that you should never leave anybody on red on, in that conversation, even if it's not your cup of tea. If you're not there yet, uh, there's so much vulnerability. It takes a lot for someone to come out and talk about their sexual desires with you, especially if it falls outside of the heteronormative vanilla definition of what freaky is. And so for a lot of people, broaching these conversations about their fetishes or their desires or fantasies is really tough for them. And so if you're the first person that they've worked up the courage to start talking about these things with and you don't respond at all, that can be really traumatizing. And so if you're going to hold, unless it's someone that you don't hold a sexual space with, in that case, you can even message back and be like, this is inappropriate. So you should probably save this for somebody else. But if it's someone that you do hold a sexual space with, I would really encourage you, even if it's not your bag of tea, to say, you know, I actually don't know much about them and I'm not ready to venture into them yet. I've heard great things. Um, but I'm gonna take my time figuring it out. Just re- mm-hmm. say something. Yeah. And similarly, sending nudes or receiving nudes, the idea of trading nudes. Are you I, here for that? Yeah. I mean, what, what would you guys respond to this one? <laughs> mm, I'm, I'm, I would reply unless your face is in it. I reply with face. What? For the for specific people but i also don't like to receive nudes from men like i just i've never received a nude from a man that was cute like i don't know how you make that look good really i don't like i don't know yeah it needs to be like artfully done i my um now husband but like when we were just fuck buddies he sent me this like because when we were away from each other i was like i'll send me a sexy photo and it was like perfectly done um i actually showed several people i'm like look at this dick pic it's incredible but it was shot from like above his face wasn't in it and he was laying down and it was like a half chub laid to the side so <laughs> it was just really nice and it was like casual and it looked i don't know it was just it was a really nice inviting picture and i, I liked it i think when they're like standing up holding it, 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 it which is fine for some but i feel like if you add some humor in it like i know a friend who got one where the person wrote in like a, a makeup, like maybe um, like a lip liner, like miss you on the side of the shaft. Like that's funny. <gasps> also, you may have questions of like, where did you get that lip liner from? Uh-huh. But I think that uh, some humor or just a little bit of casualness. I think if uh, nudes or look very intentional, like I am trying my absolute best to turn you on or I am in this very unnatural setting, they can come across cheesy. Yeah, I think that's the problem, the cheesiness. It's like, are you oiled up? Are you flexing? Yeah. <laughs> like, this is crazy. Wait, quick See, aside. Think- oh, go ahead, Chelsea. I was just going to say, when you said that you showed someone his nudes, that's what freaks me out, is like the showing of what I send to you. I asked first. I will caveat with that. I did ask. I said okay, that that's I'm good. with my friend right now. This is beautiful. Would you mind? if i showed them and he said laugh out loud oh my gosh you're crazy if you have to which to me sounded like i mean like sure it looks good so i don't know so yeah um do you watch euphoria or did you watch euphoria i watched the pilot episode um and i i haven't gone back into it but i definitely should 
Oh my god, okay, can I give you a little spoiler? Because I need spoiler. to know your opinion. Yes. Okay, so there's a character on the show that um, is interested in another character on the show who's trans, and he is in like a heterosexual. Well, we've actually talked about this too. This is a total aside about his preferences and his interest in trans women. But either way, he his girlfriend um, found all these dick pics in his phone, mm. and she freaked out and immediately assumed that he was gay or that he was like up to something and just curious what, what would your reaction be if you found like a bunch of dick pics in your man's phone uh if, if i found him in uh, my husband's or, phone in particular yeah. i would definitely be like let's talk about this i think that again it's so difficult to really step into your sexual truth it's in a world where it's just there's so little tolerance for anybody who does anything a little left or to the right of the norm that mm-hmm. so many people live out their lives in lies and, and repression. So if I saw that somebody was their truth was leaking out somewhere, like there's, you know, there's a, a chink in the armor in which their their true desires or truth are, are coming through. And you don't know why. There's many different reasons someone could do that. It could be like I watch um, if I do watch porn, I prefer to watch girl on girl. I have never had sex with a Volvo owner, but I like <laughs> watching that. So I would also have questions of like what about this is exciting for you. And so I, I and even then, I don't know, because I, th- I don't know if I would like. Because if someone has it in their phone and they haven't showed you yet, it means that they're really not comfortable. Maybe they don't have the answer. So you have to look for a non-intrusive way to broach that conversation and create a safe space for somebody. So I would try to find a safe space for my partner that we could talk about it. And sexual fantasy and sexual desire are not the same thing. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that I fantasize about that I do not desire to happen to me. Like, I, mm-hmm. let's be clear. There's some jail <laughs> fantasies that I'm like, definitely not interested in this happening in real life. But it's, it's you know, interesting to think about. So yeah. that's, I think, an important note for anybody. What people do on their phone and what kind of porn they watch is not a reflection of what kind of sex life that they're actually interested in engaging in or ready to engage in. Mm-hmm. Okay, you kind of came up with this. Well, you didn't come up with this, but you spoke about it in your book. And it's since like been all over the internet. So I'm sure you would reply to this. But could you explain to our audience what vabbing is? I think that's how you say it. Yes. Well, I'd love. Well, you guys go ahead. Give me, give me, the, give me your best shot. Oh, Lord. Glenn. <laughs> oh, okay. She's done a lot of research. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't reply to it. You know what? No, I reply. Never mind. I reply. I reply. I, I love the idea. I think it makes so much sense. Like so the, the natural pheromones. Oh, to explain what it is. I'm so sorry. It is using your vaginal fluids as like your body's natural perfume and dabbing them on your pulse points um, and using them to entice people. Is that, did I get it right? Absolutely, yes. So, yeah, yeah vabbing is uh, perfume, like anything else. You, you put on perfume to try to draw people in and uh, perfumes sometimes tote like Axe body spray that it includes pheromones and so you get this it elicits so a pheromone is a signaling transfer a signaling molecule that elicits a behavior from somebody without them knowing and so it's like pressing something on a keyboard like f12 on a keyboard and then the computer functions in a certain way like that's what a pheromone is designed to do so that is all to say that is what vabbing is and to your point it's not something that i made up um, it has been around for centuries, and the term vabbing is not even my term. That's something that someone, I think, uh, came up with like maybe a couple years ago, two comedians, I think, in New York. But every time that you've, if you Google or look up vaginal fluids as perfume, 
everybody who talks about it goes through what I've gone through right now where a little media storm happens and everyone's like, oh my God, craziest thing ever. So to be honest with you, I'm putting out a, a brand new book and I understand that the way that media works, first and foremost, actually, my foray into this space was through journalism. And my first book, Laid, was actually like a journalistic look as opposed to an educational look, if anything, about the state of sexuality today. And so my base of my practice has always been to spread information to the masses and to get people talking. And I think that people have to really understand that's a big part of my brand that 90% of the things I do are because I want to start an an, uh, important conversation or an overlooked conversation. There's 10% of things that I do because I know that it's going to get people talking. And so vabbing is definitely one of those things. I will say that to say that there's never been any scientific proof that it works. There's actually a lot of science behind the fact that humans don't register pheromones in the same way that animals do. So Mm -hmm. in the animal kingdom, you'll see animals go right to each other's genitals to sniff because the pheromones transfer that much information, those signaling molecules. And it actually isn't your sense of smell that picks up on it. It's a different part of your brain. And oh humans God, may not even have that brain part altogether. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our sense of smell is not that incredible. It's not that massively a part of our survival. Um, whereas mm-hmm. in a dog's nose is a big part of their everyday function. So that to say, it's not, it's not a core principle of mine. I think the funny thing is, is that like I was on TMZ yesterday for this. And so for that reason, vabbing has become the greatest thing I've ever done. Like it's <laughs> what I'm more known for than anything else. And I think that gives off the impression that this is a core principle or a core belief of what I'm pushing out there. It definitely is not. Um, and in the book, I even state, I don't know if vabbing works, but I do uh-huh. know that putting an intention behind something of, I'm going to go out there, try and experiment. I'm going to talk to people and see if they treat me differently. That in itself, that confidence boost that you get by saying, I have a secret and I'm trying to test it out, that's going to cause you Mm. to act more confidently, more boldly. And those two elements alone will make vabbing work for you. Now, I don't know if the actual smell is going to do anything, but the way that you're going to behave because you feel like you're testing something out, I think that's going to give you a more fun, interesting, and engaging night out. Yeah. Yeah. It's also so interesting to me that people, because I was talking about this with some of my coworkers, and um, they were their immediate reaction is like disgust, and I'm just like, but I know, and every sing- at the end of every single pornography film I've ever seen, there's like the men's secretions all over the place, and it's like an exciting moment. It's just so weird that like something about v- vaginal secretions is like gross to people. Yeah, women themselves to examine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like I noticed people in your comments when you posted like on on Instagram, people were like, "Oh my god, that's nasty! It's gonna smell like fish!" And like these are women talking about their own bodies. Yeah, I don't know. It's there's an interesting, interesting thing that like uh, there's a show called Adam Ruins Everything, and it was talking about halitosis in the show, and halitosis is actually a term which is chronic bad breath, but that issue was invented by Listerine. So they created the problem that their product would treat. And so when we think about the sort of disgust we have with our own natural bodies, our own natural sense, some of that, of course, you know, hygiene has massively improved our healthcare system. It's massively improved our way of life. And so showering and removing germs um, and cleaning our teeth, you know, the fact that, you know, most older people now don't need dentures is 
very much to the credit of the dental association, which you know promotes healthy brushing twice a day. So there, of course, I'm not saying that all of it is you know consumerism and the man trying to profit off of our insecurities, but there's a large, sizable portion of that that you really don't have to overcorrect a lot of your body's natural doings. And if you are overcorrecting, do that means you're treating what the actual issue is? Because if your vaginal fluids, or even if your natural body odor is stank, like a really <laughs> rough stink what you put into your body is what you get out so that's Mm. something to examine the reason why certain cultures have a reputation of having bad body odors because they eat really spicy pungent foods and that seeps out through their pores and if you want to change your smell yeah you can put on a bunch of commercial products to mask it or you can start examining what you're putting into your body which is causing that smell to expel Mm -hmm. yeah drop some knowledge (laughs) real quick um the next one is cucumber challenge the cucumber challenge and if you're not familiar i can explain what it is i am familiar i would reply i know you i think it's, oh i i well if, if i might listen i didn't dive deep into it so let me actually do what i did for you guys and i'll try to say what i think it is i okay. think it's people practicing oral sex on a cucumber but two people on either end i don't no. think it has to be two people on either end it was just like this you know, it was all over everyone's timeline after this one girl just starts sucking on a cucumber, kind of simulating giving a blowjob. And so, like, all these videos came out where, like, people would be at parties and be doing it and, like, in public and doing it and posting it online. But that's it, though, right? That's that's, that's it. the end just of it? Just sucking the cucumber. Yeah. I think that we don't get enough examples of, of what sexual acts look like aside from porn and porn is a performance porn is like Mm. watching wwe wrestling and expecting to be a great fighter afterwards (laughs) so if you've got real people who are doing demonstrations and that's a way for people to learn and there's no health risks associated with cucumbering i just think yeah i mean it's arousing to some and obviously is educational to others and to those who don't like it just don't watch yeah Wait, that's such a great way of looking yeah, at it. Yeah, enough. Chelsea was had this <laughs> I was whole so thing. Anti. Yeah, she's like, the women are just doing it to impress men. They want men to get in their DMs. <laughs> well, the first woman did. She said, I think her caption was literally sliding my DMs. <laughs> but I guess it's but, like, it's all forms of attention are valid. I think we have to all get over the idea that it's gross to be attention seeking. Everybody wants attention. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants admiration. Everybody wants um, to be praised and to be looked at and to be talked to and be a hot topic. And some people go about it in different ways. I, I say this oftentimes too, like with the work that I do, I sometimes go for very salacious topics. I'm like, look, I would love if I could build a platform off of emotional intelligence, and which I do. You know, I make a ton of content that is around, you know, understanding yourself acutely and good communication and advocating for your needs and consent. That's just not what gets you on TMZ. So I have to get over <laughs> a certain point and say, like, look, I am a, if I wanted just to be, you know, in the research side of things, I could definitely go work for a pharmaceutical company or I could go work for a university, but I've chosen this lane. And so I have to embrace the fact that I want attention and everybody wants attention it's like a natural human instinct to desire attention Mm. and you guys may you guys have an awesome platform that you have built and you've put the work in and all the above and this is your form of attention and it does great things in the community 
But Cucumber Girl may not have that or may not know how to build that thing for herself. And so Mm -hmm. this is her opportunity to get a little bit of shine and to get some attention her way. And so who's to say which is better or worse because none of us are God and we're not judging. We Mm. all know that our end result is pretty much the same. Wait, what sign are you, Shan? Uh, Born April 2nd, 1985, 3.30 p.m. or something like that. Glenn, what sign is that? I feel like that's, is that an Aries? It is, yeah. But you know, I don't know, like, with the sun sign, the moon sign. and. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I noticed you gave the time. I know. I I know you're one of those people who's like, yes, you are a rising Scorpio and a (laughs) little finger and all those things. (laughs) <laughs> no, I asked because I'm like, have you always been this like, and I've watched your interviews and I've watched your videos and it just seems like you're so like, just like let every, like your mindset seems to be like, just let everyone do what feels good to them, period. You know? I would And say have you th- always been this way or like? Kind of yes, but I think that, um, are you guys familiar with the author Robert Greene? He wrote 48 no. Laws of Power, which most people are somewhat familiar with, but he has mm-hmm. a book that's called Laws of Human Nature. And actually, funny enough, in 2018, like my New Year's resolution was to swap out That's Weird with That's Fascinating. So I'm like, I never mm. want to call someone else oh, like weird that. or gross. I'm like, if I don't understand something or I wouldn't do something, instead of judging it, I'm like, oh, that's fascinating. Tell me more. So it's just like acknowledging that that I think that we spend so much time focused on how different we all are. Like you like doggy style and I like missionary or like (laughs) you do this and I do that. And we're so different. It's like, really, if you just zoomed out 10 feet, we all are so much more alike than we think. Uh, One of the earlier practices I did uh, when I was first getting into like switching over to the relationship side is I went to a lot of public places and just spent a day just eavesdropping. So I would like go to a park and just eavesdrop and I recognize like, oh, people are all having the same eight conversations. Mm-hmm. Like we're really not all that diverse <laughs> and different. And we all think like I'm abnormal or something is wrong with me and I'm so different or my drama is so special or my mm-hmm. life is tragically doomed in a way that no one else can understand. It's like, nah, we, we all have a lot in common. And if you can really look for our commonalities versus our differences, I think that you'll see life from a very different perspective and have a lot more empathy uh, for people and how they use their resources to try to accomplish the same thing that you're trying to accomplish, but perhaps you just have better resources, although better is a subjective word. Yeah, that's it. I love that. Um, and I noticed that you you do care a lot about like exactly what words you're using. You even just referenced it when you talked about that's weird versus that's fascinating. You asked me how I was doing. I said, I'm excited. You said maybe use a different word. And then <laughs> I didn't say that. I said it's okay. an overused word. I wasn't like, it's an change that word. word. Don't use it around me. Change that language, honey. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. You didn't say that. Um, and then I've seen like you say that you don't like, you don't think the word aspire is like sexy. Um, why is that? Like, why isn't that word specifically something that someone should say on a date? First of all, there's a book called Words Can Change Your Brain that I think everyone should listen to or read or listen to. It's a really great book that just... It like literally certain words in itself will like ignite a response in somebody like the word no or um, any kind of like negative language overall. So I think words are important, but um, I think aspire just doesn't give people credit because what does aspiring mean? It means that you haven't even gotten started at all. And if you've done anything at all, you can take the A word off. I think you say I'm an aspiring astronaut when you're six because you probably have had zero progress in that field. 
<laughs> but if you're in your 20s or your late teens or your 30s even, um, I'm sure that you've got some skin in the game and some stake in the game. And so be in a state of progression, be in a state of movement, of momentum. And if you're aspiring, that means you haven't even entered the ring yet. Facts. It's like you're not even doing, right? And like, yeah. if you're doing it, you're not aspiring. Right. You can say I'm an aspiring Grammy award winning artist or, you know, I'm aspiring best. I'm an aspiring best selling author right now. I'm just a writer. But even then, I wouldn't. You know what? Actually, I really want to do like a seven day challenge based on the game of desire, just like some activities from the book uh, in case people didn't read it just to pull out. And the number one activity I would start with. Is that me? (laughs) <laughs> it's you, girl. I think. Okay. Do you hear that helicopter? It's all yeah, okay. yeah, We always okay. have the sounds of the city. It's yeah. like oh, surround okay. sound, though, in my headphones. That's why I like, I like always mute when I'm not talking. <laughs> oh, because it's not like you guys do not have this problem, so it's just me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. I got oh, like, the challenge. You're going to do a seven day challenge. Yes. yes. Uh, oh, wait, yeah. Mm-hmm. The number okay. Let me ask you guys this question first. Let me see how you answer. I'm gonna judge you. Just be clear that I'm judging you right now. Um, what do you do for a living? Oh, see, I was about to answer right away, but then now I feel like it's a trick question. I am a part of a sales team at a prominent athletic company. Oh, it's an incredible answer. Thanks. I love that. <laughs> I, I'm a good dater, Shan. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> I believe it 1,000%. Um, I would say that that in itself is a big challenge for people. I can't tell you how many people, again, when people approach me, they're like, they say like, oh my God, and I've watched this, I've won that. And it's just like, okay, well, tell me about you. Cause like, I like to know more about you. Like, what do you do? And this question honestly can take 10 minutes for some people. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be this way. Cause it's such a right. common question that you're going to get, right? Like, where do you live? And if you're like, Okay, um, I'm like, oh, you're homeless. That's amazing in my mind. If we have to start with that, you don't have a home. That's why we're going here. So get really great at a one sentence. Like one of the girls in the book, Game of Desire, she is an environmental engineer. And when I used to ask people, when you asked her what she did, she's like, yeah, you know, I have a government job. And, you know, are you kidding? Yes, that's how she said it. I was like, you are solving California's water crisis every single day when you go to work that is your job like that's what you tell people from now on i am a part of a team that's working to solve california's water crisis by desalinizing salt water and i'm going to change and save the world like that is hell yes so i i think it's a great yeah (laughs) she is so i think it's important you you gave a perfect answer like that is exciting i want to learn more about you you sound positive it sounds like your life is doing great things like there was nothing about that that made me feel like, oh, let me give this person some time to figure themselves out. Like, you're so sure of who you are. I think that's so, so sexy. Yay, Glenn. Damn. Okay, let me hear yours. I mean, why is this hard for me? No, I'm a writer and educator. Perfect. Yeah. I don't have Was all the intricacies. It is good, but I think it's like you got to add, like, you know how she said, like, one of the top firms, like, you got to add something in there like mm. I write for 
the this community that's been mm. overlooked and mm. i also am half of a podcast that was listed in the top five podcasts for young black entrepreneurs or, i know you guys have some accolade um mm-hmm. that that just like brings some gravitas not that you have to give your whole resume but you know what that, in that saying all that i'm talking shit because when people ask me what i do i say i talk about sex and relationships for a living so i say exactly what you right, just said that's Glenn. very uh, <laughs> low-key yeah right <laughs> because i could get into it but then we would just be here I'm like, yeah. do you want me to, I could list it all. Well, um, I think we know who the winner is, and it's not me. Uh, so you, yeah. Sure ain't me. Take your own advice. Exactly. <laughs> so thinking about, because we start, do we start off with the word aspire? That was supposed to be my transition. And then yes. we had the helicopter and the mic. That's how but, we started here. <laughs> it's all right. We're rolling with it. How did you get into this field in the first place? Yeah, I actually think about, I think a lot of times we think of purpose as something that we have to find or you go towards your purpose. And often for a lot of people, it's going back and reclaiming your purpose. When I was really young, I mean like five, I was very fascinated by the human touch, the human body. I was fascinated by love and connection. But I also grew up in a West Indian household and I went to a Catholic school. So a lot of these natural ideals and acceptance of the human body was discouraged. Um, I was called lewd a lot in my family, like inappropriate. And I had my Barbies were banned from being naked by the time I was like seven years old. And so I learned that what I naturally was interested in, what I naturally thought was good, made me bad. So I tried to repress it. And that repression, you know, repression ends in two ways. Either you want to become a nun or number two, you discover dial-up internet and porn sites uh-huh. and away you go. And I went with option B. And that led me to a lot of misconceptions around my sexuality. So when I actually started engaging in sex in my you know, mid to late teens, I chose not so great experiences. And by the time I turned 19, I had seven sexual partners, no orgasms, no mm. relationships I was proud of, um, a non-consensual experience, uh, lots of health scares. It was just an awful, dark, disappointing place. And I realized then, okay, I can keep trying to figure this out by myself, which has not been successful, or I can press stop and reset. And so I got myself a library card and I spent the entire summer I think in like 2004 in a library and I just read every single book possible about sex education and I had an aha moment of like wow there's great information here that is so liberating and you know has debunked so many myths that I have based my sexual identity on however this shit is boring as fuck it's so dry <laughs> like maybe there could be somebody who bridges the gap and makes this information as accessible and as interesting and as salacious as the books do hence why i am now you know 15 years later on tv talking about vabbing so (laughs) that's the short story yeah you touched on this a little bit but can you speak to us more about what kind of dater you were growing up and maybe what some of your dating downfalls were yeah um I think I didn't get good at dating until 30, and that was sort of the same thing that happened to me, wherein that by 24 years old, I really understood sex well, and I was actually having positive sexual experiences. I was able to self-pleasure. I was really good at it, and um, you know, my sexual relationships were decent, but my actual relationships still had not improved, and so my late, my mid-20s, I got involved with a partner who was just like capital T toxic. And there's something to be said about me and my own uh, 
attitude about myself and my own behavior that was attracted to that kind of person and engaged in that relationship for a long time. And so when I got out of that relationship, I was 30 years old and I'm like, kind of the same thing at 19 that I did. I was like, let's press the stop button because whatever we've been doing has not been working. And that's when I started to really start to read and research about love and attraction and connection um, and human psychology and bonding and seduction. And that, I think at that point, um, from 30 until now where I'm permanently partnered, hopefully, I had amazing dating experiences. But before that, I think I made a lot of really, really big mistakes. Um, and I didn't realize how much I was in control of my dating destiny. I think as mm. women, we are taught to wait to get chosen or wait for the callback mm. or wait for someone to find us. And you don't really have control over who finds you. When you do get found, you're so focused on the other person's behavior that you don't really realize how much of a participant you are in your own misery. And I was Ooh. definitely the captain of my own miserable ass ship. Ooh. Wow. And I think that's a, oh. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a lot of what you're teaching into through the game of desire um, about empowering people to like be very deliberate um, about their dating journeys and about knowing exactly what they want and being intentional that they can equip themselves with strategies to get the best outcome. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, I know, like, how do you guys feel about yourselves as daters? Oh, girl. <laughs> Well, I think oh. what you what you said that made me say wow was the and Glenn can agree with me or you know not, but the idea of women getting chosen and then at that point when you when someone finally chooses you, it's like, okay, how do I make this work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um I think one thing that I wish I were better, well, currently I'm in a happy relationship, but when I was Congratulations. Dating, I, thank you. I never was the one to approach first. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, like, you know, maybe I should have been more, like, confident to do that or whatever the case is. But it's not something that you're taught as a woman. A hundred percent. Yes. I think that that's a... Yeah. So your current partner, they found you? Well... I think tequila helped us find each other because okay. we don't <laughs> we don't quite remember. But but I always joke. I'm like I've never went up to a guy first in my life, so I know you talked to me. And he was like, No, you came up to me, so we'll never know. <laughs> never yeah, in your I, life, really? No, never. Are you an approacher, Glenn? I yeah, I'm like never afraid to shoot shots, but it is usually tequila that helps me. Tequila always helps. Um, but I, I have had a really strange dating journey. I would only say I've had like one boyfriend and then have had this really messy off and on thing with someone for the past two years. And in the midst of that have been like a couple hoe phases that were really fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like two summers ago, I was on soul swipe heavily and I went on <laughs> dates like Wow, soul you're my first swipe. soul swipe person. Please tell me, like, what's your review? Girl, I actually found some good stuff on soul swipe that I was <laughs> telling all my friends, you need to get on this app. And as soon as they got on there, they would just be seeing, like, grainy-ass pictures, <laughs> blurry stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening over there, but I'm seeing some, some good stuff. I, I found this guy that I was, like, sleeping with for, like, a year on there. Cute-ass guy, artist, you know? It just had a nice little vibe, Grenadian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that I felt really 
empowered in that moment I like just jetting off to all these dates every other day and it was just fun to get to know new people um but I feel like recently I just feel like I have no energy for that at all um like I just I have no energy to meet new people it's kind of crazy but then I come home and I'm like damn it would be nice to have like a little something but I saw something recently someone posted all these different kinds of like toxic daters there are and one of them was the um the like unreliable dater that mm. takes hours to answer to like reply to your text messages Ew. that hits you up two weeks later and, and asks like oh how you been that yeah. always is busy when you have something to do that is literally mm-hmm. me that is oh literally i knew you're gonna say that <laughs> that's me i am that person no i'm like matching with people on all these apps i talk to them for like we go back and forth for a little while i give them my number they hit me up we go back and forth and then i just trail off i like lose interest or i get busy and i just don't care it's just literally what it is yeah i think it's so easy to do that um i just think that we should all remind yourself what an immense privilege it is to get to know another full-ass human being mm-hmm. you know what i mean like everybody has a childhood and a history and things they've learned the hard way things they've learned in interesting ways they've traveled different places they've eaten different foods they know different languages like it's a whole ass human being who has a life and a heartbeat and something to offer so I even like, you know, uh, our relationship, we refer to it as free now, but a big part of the reason why we don't have like, we don't subscribe to monogamy is because I'm like, I can't imagine a world where I feel guilty about getting to know people because I love getting to know people. Like, I don't want to lose that art and have constraints around what connecting with somebody is going to actually mean. Like, I want that choice for me. So I think that sometimes just refreshing yourself to remind you, I mean, mind you, be good at vetting. I think that Mm. you should have quality control over the... Because it depends, right? Like, yes, in the street, I can. I literally talk to every fucking buddy. Like, my sister and my cousin <laughs> were came to stay with me in L.A. And they literally pulled me aside and they were like, can you stop? Like, we are so sick and tired of getting involved in these stupid-ass conversations with, like, anybody. And I was like, I get you, but this is practice for me. Because when I show up to meetings or I'm in rooms with important people, I have to be comfortable talking to them. And I'll never be able to do that if I'm not practicing this all the time i honestly get into so many awkward conversations i get shut down i get rejected by people probably like every third day uh, because i'm just shooting my shot all the time i'm making little jokes that don't land some do i'm like okay cool make notes you know like a comedian goes to a bunch of different clubs try to refine their routines that when they actually have a big show they know what works and what doesn't and i think it's the same way when it comes to dating you should be practicing all the time but also never lose sight of the fact that it is as much as it's it's a game because it's fun, but it's also such a great privilege um, to connect with people. But I, what I was saying by that is, I'm not suggesting that you give everybody you know 40 minutes of your time on a date because your time is precious and you are booked and busy and you are a <laughs> awesome writer and you have a podcast that is skyrocketing. So you don't have all the time in the world, but for those you do, you know, think are worth those 40 minutes, like really make those 40 minutes count. No, you're so right, and I would say. A part of my issue, though, I think, is I'm, like, so prone to fantasy. I was talking to our other, uh, our third host last night. I know, literally, I just just sit down and, like, make narratives up in my mind. (laughs) But I was talking to our other host last night, and she's like, oh, girl, our boyfriends are in Japan, or they're in Paris somewhere. Like, and then we start imagining these, like, tatted men that speak six languages (laughs) that, like, want to take vacations with us to some coastal town. And then I just look around and i'm like "Mm, yeah no y'all ain't it none of these people around me (laughs) (laughs) 
I think everybody gets you a little bit closer and sometimes being open to what's not a fantasy, what you've never, I mean, you can't look for what you've never had, right? Like you can't ask for something on the menu that you've never experienced before, but doesn't mean it's not the best thing on the menu. So I think it's just kind of keeping an open mind, but also too, yeah, you're you're allowed to have a type. But Mm -hmm. I think like too, it's about, um, I talk about in the book, job listings. And so that is essentially acknowledging yourself. Like you just said, you maybe don't want to date, but sometimes you come home and you're like, it'd be nice to have somebody. So maybe you haven't found your tatted seven figure, super <laughs> cool person, but you do know of somebody <laughs> who gives you great conversation. And that's not your long-term partner, but the exchange is something you're comfortable with. Like you are yeah. like this person, this is their job. They are my cuddle buddy or they're my hiking buddy. I like talking with them. I like the light flirting. And that's where it ends for me. So you can open up different positions to fill people and not everybody has to be vying for the CEO suite. Not everybody <laughs> has to be vying for a life partner role. When I said I got really good at dating, I think that I started to like really just appreciate people for people. I did online dating as well and I never had sex with anyone I online dated before. I never dated them seriously, but one of the dudes that I met through online dating styled my engagement photo shoot years later. What? He's now a great friend of That's me and Jared's. Crazy. I bought art from another dude that I met on Tinder. Um, another dude that I met, I actually hooked him up with a graphic design job for like a really big client because I loved his work. So like, I just met really fascinating people who I enjoyed. I still like, I have a video um, that's like me helping my exes find love again. And like, they're friends. Like, I book them all the time. Like, in the work that I do, I need people. So, if I used to date somebody, I know they're hot, I know they're cool, and they're funny. I'm like, I'm doing this thing. Come on camera. So, I like collecting good people. So, just look at it like that. Like, yeah, maybe they're not going to be the one, but maybe they're an interesting podcast guest. Or maybe it's as a writer, someone that's interesting for you to get to know as a possible character and something that you do. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a use for people. Not everybody's going to be, again, partner quality. That doesn't mean that they don't deserve some position in your multi-million dollar firm. (laughs) <laughs> do you do you that. tell them though like do you do you have like a right to tell them so if a guy really likes you and you know you like him to a point you like him to go to the movies with but like you don't really want to date him or marry him is it your responsibility to, to tell him like i like spending time with you but i don't really see anything serious yeah absolutely i think also too i was saying that to i was on a male podcast and they're like what's it with the friend zone I was like, why are you thinking of the friend zone as a negative thing? Because that person, you know how many friends people have? People probably have 10 friends, maybe five people at any given time they actually want to spend time with. So Mm -hmm. if somebody is saying to you, you know what? I don't really see you again as the one person or three people that I want to see romantically, but I do see you as one of 10 people I actually want to give time to. That's a win. Um, Mm -hmm. now what you do with that when it's up to you you're in you can create a connection you can see if it goes anywhere else but also be like wow I've exhibited qualities that have made this person feel like I'm trustworthy I'm interesting I'm fun and above all else they see value in me so it's still a win to some capacity so I think you don't frame it negatively like hey just so you know this is all I want from you it's just framed like you know what, I, you remind me so much of my friend that I grew up with and I really miss that person and I really see so many of their qualities in you. I think that we have a great rapport, we have a great connection um, and I wanna keep being cool. The guy actually who styled the engagement photo shoot, me and him were hanging out and I, re- I recognized that we were just gonna be friends. And so I definitely said to him one day like, I'm so grateful for the friendship that we share and this space that we hold. I wanna make sure this is what you want as well too because 
I love what we have and I love hanging out with you and I want to spend more time with you. But definitely in this capacity, I just want to make sure you're cool with that. Now, he ghosted me for a year, which is fine, right? He just like took his space and he didn't overtly say anything. He just became less available. But a year later, he came back around and we became great friends and we connected. And so he remanaged his expectations and we are still able to have a good relationship. But I was also patient to say, I can't force this friendship on you just like you can't force a love affair on me. Like, we both have to come to this as consenting partners in whatever the arrangement is. And so, even though being upfront with people, they might opt out. Maybe they'll come back around. Maybe they won't. But, yeah, I think being honest is massively important. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Glenn. I I have a... No, just... Yeah, I will be honest. I I think... uh, I'm thinking about getting back out there. But you're right. I do have a little somebody on the side that fills Mm -hmm. the needs that I need. And we've been having some really straightforward conversations about the roles that we can fill in each other's lives and that it's nothing more than that and it feels so great to just be on the same page yeah um so nobody's feelings get hurt um and on that friendship thing really quickly this person that i had this back and forth relationship for like two years with always kept trying to put me in the friend zone but then wanted to pull me out and be romantic with me at other times but which which Mm. made me think he was a little fugazi but one of his arguments was always that as friends that relationship has an even deeper weight than if we were to have a romance now i don't know what y'all think about that if that's just game but we started i started to think about how much respect and like meaning um there is in, in a friendship like you said shan that person could be with you like forever so i don't know yeah i half agree with that i have <laughs> not that it's game but i think it's like it's his game it's game. <laughs> it could a be true because maybe they actually put a lot of separation between them and maybe they have intimacy issues of getting close to somebody who's also sexual with them and so there could be some truth to that where they've some people for example are really fun at work or and but when they get around their partner they have such a strict idea of what love is supposed to look like based on what they saw from their parents and so they don't actually enjoy themselves around their significant other like they reserve that fun part of them for family i mean for friends or for other people so there could be him saying that, like, look, I'm actually better at being a friend than I am at being a romantic partner. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah, I think that Which is I just... Which I think he is. Yeah. This girl, he is not ready. Which, another question. Any advice for people in that weird gray space with an ex where y'all are not together but still talking all the time and you still kind of have this back of in the back of your mind you think that they might be the one um even though there's a lot of red flags yeah fucking don't (laughs) don't do it (laughs) i think that's yes (laughs) no um like that's like asking me like hey you know i've got a drinking problem and i drink constantly (laughs) but i'm thinking of just casually drinking from now on and like slowly i'll (laughs) stop my addiction through like light consumption you're like no that's not how addiction works and uh, love is an, is a drug and i don't mean that in like a hokey way literally they did brain scans of somebody who's like in love like in a deep set, set of limerence and somebody who's on heroin and like this brain is very similar in the way that it lights up like the dopamine rush that you get from love the high that you get uh we're born to bond we're biologically born to bond so you are designed to make a strong connection with somebody else that is very difficult to break and if you need an example of that watch any animal planet um, where, where mammals bond together and see what crazy elements they will go through. Like that bond is so, so strong that it will go beyond logic. 
So that's what you're up against. You're up against a really, really strong, pungent, never before experienced drug. And if you are addicted to somebody, you cannot start casual consumption and expect to be making logical decisions. So I would say if you would think that you may have something, give six months um, for them to be worked out of your system. So it's no longer in need. Now you can actually start making choices about them again and then reevaluate them. But it's, you cannot, you know, you cannot evaluate in a state of addiction. A, a person who's in a state of addiction cannot self-regulate. And if they could, we wouldn't have the programs that we do. So just don't put yourself in that position. Oh, that is a fact. Yeah. Before we jump into this listener letter, I have just one more question. Because in your book, you have like a lot of tips, dating tips that you were able to test out on these women or, or learn from helping these women um but does do you like change back to your regular self when you start dating them like am i making sense (laughs) like the representative you mean yeah you know how when you're on a a date like you're based off of what you say in your book it's basically like you're you know trying to present the best version of yourself um and And then when you actually start dating them do you have to keep that up? I, I mean, I think to, it's kind of like saying, you know, when you first get a job and you're on probation, you show up mm-hmm. on time every day for three months and you do the assignments and you listen and, and you participate in meetings. Um, after those three months, do you start acknowledging that you're a late person who gets introverted at times, who doesn't feel like doing assignments some days? You could. Um, does that mean you're going to be able to keep and maintain that job? Probably not. Possibly because you've passed mm. the probation. I think the thing is like you have the advantage of addiction. So if you're able to sustain a connection with somebody and get them to bond with you and you can do that, you know, for three to six months, the time it takes to make that connection happen. Yes, in theory, you could start getting lazy because now you've got um, chemistry on your side. It's harder for that mm. person to break up with you. Kind of like a job. After three months, they can't just fire you because the probation period is done. So yeah. you've put in enough time at the job where like firing you is a little tougher. And you've put enough time in that romantic connection where getting rid of you might be a little harder for that person. But why? You know, I think that um, we often do this in relationships, which is we don't do emotional regulation. And emotional regulation means I'm not going to go with what I feel. I'm going to go, I'm going to choose what I think is the best feeling. We do that at work, right? Like we hate our coworker, but we don't turn and say like, hey, go fuck yourself. You're a terrible (laughs) human being and I hate sitting beside you. Even though we feel that, we suppress that and we choose something different. We choose tactfulness. We choose politeness. um, We choose to ignore. And I think in relationships, we have this expectation that we're not supposed to choose. If I feel angry, I act angry. If I feel jealous, I act jealous. Um, If I feel upset, I show you I'm upset versus really analyzing our own emotions and feelings and making a better choice that's going to result in a healthier connection. So I would hope that people keep being the representative. And the theme of the book is you are whoever you consistently choose to be. So if you show up for the first three months and you are the person who texts back and you are the person who says what they mean and means what they said and shows up on time for dates and that worked effectively, why not consistently try to continue to be that person? Because you saw that that got good results. Yeah. Um, So challenge yourself. Okay, that's true. Um, Being your best self, Charles. Yeah, be your... I mean, Glenn, I'm not dating anymore. That was me asking for you. Uh, (laughs) 
Thanks. <laughs> um, so the next segment is what would you do? So I don't know if you know the City High song because I know you're from Toronto, but C-I-T-Y. I'm sure. C I T Y. That's not that's it. It's like. Uh, what would, what you, would do you do if, if your son was at home, home crying, crying all alone on the bedroom floor? Because he's, he's hungry and he only feed him his Sleep with this guy for a little bit of money. This is awful. I'm sorry for whoever's listening. <laughs> oh, no. So this is our What Would You Do segment where listeners email us at hello at blackgirlstexting.com and they ask us for advice. And if we have a guest, we really like the guests to weigh in on it so we're so excited that you're here with us um so i'm just gonna go ahead and read it please call me mary magdalene okay (laughs) dear vgt i listen every wednesday thank you for putting out context content specifically and intentionally for black women i love you guys my man has to be the finest guy on the planet he's tall he's handsome he's dark he makes six figures at 29 and treats me like an absolute princess. Damn, the girl. only problem is I don't think our sex drives match. He always wants to have sex, like literally always, to the point where now it's starting to feel like a chore every time we do it. And on top of that, he goes for rounds. So once we start, I know it's going to last for at least an hour, if not more. I like sex with him. It's so good. Don't get me wrong but not for hours and every single day. Is something wrong with me or my body or is our relationship just doomed? Everything else is perfect, but I don't know how long I can keep up with him. Well, I think this person wrote because they love you guys. So Chelsea and Glenn, I would love if you guys took a crack at this first. Oh God. Oh boy. Well, Chelsea, I feel yeah. like you can relate to this in some ways. <laughs> no. I mean, wow, Glenn. <laughs> Um, I can relate to it in some ways because I think, and not only my current boyfriend, but like most of my boyfriends have had like way more of a higher like sex drive. But honestly, I don't know. I don't really have good advice because you just, I, I don't know. I feel like you want to, you want to like, I also want to satisfy him like that kind of makes me happy too so i don't know i don't know this one's hard no shan you have to answer it you're the expert i feel like you're not wrong i think that every relationship comes with an incompatibility and so like Mm -hmm. chelsea for example i'm sure in your relationship there's some area where the two of you guys are not aligned could be Mm -hmm. time spent with family it could be religion it could be finances so i think you have to acknowledge that there's going to be this fracture in every single connection but you have to decide which fractures you can manage and which ones you can't i actually Mm. spoke with somebody on sunday who was the reverse it was a woman in a relationship who felt frustrated with how little her partner initiated so that to say all things exist this is a really big deal for you where you're like i literally because i i'm a big fan of, of prudes i'm a big fan of people who have a low sex drive i'm a big fan of people who are like it's not asexuals and gray sexuals it's not that big of a deal for me because that's somebody who has done the work acknowledged their sexual self made a choice for themselves and found a label that celebrates them so i'm like good for you and so if you inherently just really don't enjoy that much sex know that while this can be the perfect person on paper it's just not your paper you actually require somebody who's got different priorities and a different um, 
that that's not the issue that you want to look for that you want to compromise on um, because I can imagine I mean it's not a matter of because there are people um, who their partner has a high sex drive but they can get off in seven minutes and you go about your day so seven minutes is a small negotiation to make but you know hours at a time and four rounds like that especially if you don't have that same enthusiasm or drive can I think can be a little arduous so I would have an honest conversation with yourself and say this is what life is about you're supposed to spend this time trial and error but the trial and error shouldn't be drastically off where you're dating terrible people and learning okay I actually don't want to get my dog kicked in the face by somebody so (laughs) you're not learning you're learning things along the way about yourself and you're using the opportunity of connecting with somebody else to connect more with you and what's important to you and so maybe this relationship's goal was to teach you that you all you need a sexual partner who has got a little bit less of a robust appetite uh, or on the flip side like like um, like Chelsea said that maybe for you it's like this is a compromise you're gonna have to compromise in every relationship um, every single one I compromise in my relationship you're gonna have to pick somewhere that you're gonna give up on what your ideal is and make a bend for what your partner's ideal is and hopefully in return they're doing that for you in another area but I wouldn't say that this is the area that you have to compromise on because they're absolutely very gorgeous very cool people who will treat you well and be awesome partners who also have a similar sex drive to you and be grateful that this partner you know taught you a lot about what you want but also really made it clear what you don't want going forward oh beautiful yes yeah and i was just going to add on to that like perfect reply that um if it's making your body feel uncomfortable right i think that's something to think about as well like I just can't imagine, I don't know, there's something to think about if you're physically really uncomfortable with it, um, something to hold on to, but yeah. Agreed, yeah, because as I said, like, I don't listen to that story and say like, suck it up, because mm-hmm. I like having sex, and that's actually, you know, myself and my partner were friends and benefits to begin, so sex was our bonding ground, it is the one thing in our relationship that probably will always be on autopilot, because that's the only reason why we're even in this shit to begin with. Uh, we built the other parts of it on top of that foundation, on top of that base. And I think we have a very similar sex drive. And I don't know how I would, if I would be comfortable with somebody who had way higher or way lower than me. I think that that might be a deal breaker for me. Uh, but there's other areas that I put up with that the average person, that would be a deal breaker for them. So don't let anybody else answer this question for you. It really is about the quality of life that you know that is best suited for you. Yeah. And I feel like Glenn really threw me off guard there when she said I can could relate. So now that I've had more time to think, I would also say that if if it's if it's like bothering you this much, then yes, reevaluate the relationship. But if you can find ways to like excite yourself too, like even when you're not feeling excited, like I was watching, I think it was the View where they said women most women on average like to have sex at 11 p.m whereas men like to have sex at 7 a.m you know like i I just feel like and i don't know how true that is but they said it on the view um (laughs) so i just think biologically maybe you know people are different and so figure out how to make things work for you so like i know i recently got like a savage fenty i mean they should pay us for me saying this but (laughs) a savage (laughs) fenty membership and 
when I tell you, like, getting that new underwear makes me feel, and I hate saying this because I don't feel like a feminist saying this. I feel like, so don't, if this makes you feel uncomfortable, don't do it. I'm just saying what works for what I do. And, like, I don't know, putting on lingerie, like, makes me want to have sex. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes perfect sense, Chelsea. You feel sexy. Yeah, it's like, It's okay. a frame of mind. It's an attitude. Yeah. yeah. The other day I, like, you know, did lingerie and heels on a Sunday in my regular apartment, and it was great. Oh. <laughs> so try that. Maybe that might make you, like, feel like you're having more fun. Yeah. Like yeah, I love that. In the mood. I think uh, I'm going to just piggyback to plug the turn on triggers quiz, the game of desire.com yes. slash quiz. And so maybe it's a matter of your partner identifying what your turn on trigger is that would get you in the mood because perhaps what they're doing, which is their turn on trigger might be visual where it's they just see and they want. Um, and your turn on trigger might be mental. You might need a good conversation first. And so identifying that for you and communicating mm-hmm. that to your partner might help him help you get on the same page. That's such a good point. Because that's another thing I was thinking of. Yeah, if my boyfriend wakes me up and I'm like half asleep, drool running down my face. No, I don't want to have sex. <laughs> but like if he does something that like, tr- you know, it's a turn on trigger for me. It's like no questions asked. Like, let's do this. Yeah. So that's such a great point um wow obviously from the expert (laughs) Um, (laughs) thank you i appreciate that yeah can you tell our listener oh wait right before i say that i just want to say have you seen Brene brown no okay i think you should watch her oh yeah i think you would like her and you're literally you know i don't know you from adam but from the vibes i'm getting you're like the epitome of what she tries to teach like she says that, you know, when you're vul- people who are vulnerable are actually really strong and confident and like people, you know, kind of act like vulnerability and braveness or or courage are like two separate things where when in fact they kind of like you need them to build off of each other. Like, I feel like you're talking about one of the most vulnerable things, sex, you know, being yes. naked and like you know, your private parts, you know, what you've been taught to hide all your life and you just exude all this confidence and I think that there is like a correlation between that. So thank you for being on our show. No, thank you. And I actually wanted to write that name down one more time. Yeah, it's on Netflix um, called Brene Brown. Now I will preface this by saying when I first watched it, I was like, okay, it's a Southern white lady. I don't know if I can relate. But, you know, it was really good. If you just, like, you know, give give her a chance, it's, like, really good. Okay, I know exactly what you're talking about now that you said that. I will look into it. Yeah. Um, so can you tell our listeners where they can buy your book to read it or possibly listen to it? Yes. Actually, if you want to get it for the free-free because you're a podcast listener, so this could be of interest to you, you can go on Audible, which is Amazon's audiobook service. And if you get a free trial of Audible, you get two free books. And you can use my Mm -hmm. book as one of your books. My book is called The Game of Desire. And I didn't tell you this, but if you want to get my book and then cancel immediately so you don't have to risk ever having to pay them, (laughs) go ahead. Um, All support (laughs) is good support. Or you could buy the physical copy. Um, The Game of Desire is sold everywhere that books are sold. Beautiful. And 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 how can our listeners find you? Because like Glenn, you know, some of them might love YouTube and any other platform that you're on. Yeah, I think YouTube is my 
best one. I am trying to do the podcasting thing like you guys. You're a great inspiration to me. It's a space that I've definitely been afraid to enter into and figuring out. But for now, I am on Instagram and I'm on YouTube. But more importantly, I am on Black Girls Texting. So just listen to this episode again. Yes, thank you. And we have a we have a segment on our podcast called Black Girls Doing Shit. And we like to highlight a black woman doing something amazing in their field. And it is you on this episode. Yeah. Our black girl doing Fuck shit. Jan yes. Doing black all the girl things. doing shit. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate that. I want to just add that all of us. We're all doing shit. Absolutely. From writing to conquering the corporate world to killing podcasts and vabbing in between this <laughs> we're doing it and i'm gonna try vabbing when my boyfriend comes home i'm just gonna have it all over me i love Ooh. report back yes please keep me updated yes <laughs> thank you so much um listeners we really appreciate it please go listen or buy shannon shan's book and we'll keep in touch see you next wednesday all right bye y'all bye